You were listening to a message from The Exchange in Pearl, Mississippi. To find out more about The Exchange, go to www.theexchange.cc. Uh, today we're in a sermon series that we've been in throughout the whole summer called Summer in the Psalms. Summer in the Psalms is we're walking through some of the uh, more powerful and pivotal chapters in the 150 chapters in the book of Psalms. So if you've got a copy of Scripture, let's go ahead and get you there. Okay, Psalm 46 is where we're going to be today. And so whether that's a scroll because you've got a digital copy or you've got a hard copy of Scripture, man, would you go with me? Psalm 46 is where we're going to be today. And if you don't have a copy of Scripture, we got you covered too. We're going to put some verses um, on the screen behind me as we read so that you can follow along with where we're going to be in Scripture. Now, you're turning to Psalm 46. We're going to get there, I promise. Um, but to set up Psalm 46, I want to dive into 2 Kings 19, okay? So you can just listen to me on that part. We'll get to Psalm 46 in just a second. I think it's important for us to have a little bit of context, okay? Um, had a professor who taught me some things about um, following Jesus and also about the Bible, and he said, context is king. In other words, man, you need to know why what you're reading, why does it matter? Where did it come from? And so Psalm 46 that we're going to read today is rooted, it goes back to some things that happened in 2 Kings 19. So let me set up 2 Kings 19, and then we're going to read a little bit of it. In 2 Kings 19, we find out that the nation of Assyria um, was the bully of the day. They were the bully nation of the day. They were wiping out nation after nation. Their goal, world dominance. They wanted to own it all. They wanted to be the boss, and they had wiped out nation after nation, and they were headed towards Egypt, and the only thing that separated them from Egypt was Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was led at this particular moment in history by King Hezekiah. All right, just to let me know you're awake, everybody say Hezekiah. Good. Okay. I got 97% of you. I'm feeling all right. We'll get the other three in a little bit. Hezekiah was leading the city of Jerusalem, and as Assyria approached Jerusalem, Hezekiah began to get his men ready, but here's what Hezekiah knew. There was more men from Assyria than there were men from Jerusalem. The men from Assyria were bigger and badder than the men that he had in Jerusalem. It's kind of like in seventh grade when you tried to pick the fight with the big bully in the grade, right? You remember that? Okay, and you're like, hey, meet me at the park at 3.30 after school today, okay? And the whole time you're like, why in the world did I say that? He's bigger than me. He could probably whoop me with one hand behind my back. And that girl that I like, she's going to be there and she's going to watch me get my tail whipped, okay? You remember that fight? Okay, that one. Um, and so here's the deal. Hezekiah is leading Jerusalem, but Assyria is on the way, and he's in big trouble. But in that moment, Isaiah, you may be familiar with him, a prophet of God, sends a message to our boy Hezekiah, and he sends a message, and in that message, he says, man, the Lord, Yahweh God, he will protect you. He will guard you. He will save you. And if I'm Hezekiah, I'm like, man, that's good news, but they still coming, all right? They still coming, and he wanted to believe it. At the same time, King Sennacherib, who is the king of Assyria, he sends a message to Hezekiah, okay? And he says, hey, listen, I don't care who your God is. He said, look back at our track history. We've wiped out nation after nation, city after city, and your God will not protect you from what we're about to do to you. And scripture records what Hezekiah does next, kind of like maybe what me and you would do. He goes to his room and he shuts his door and he prays to God. And here's what scripture says he prays. Look at it on the screen. 2 Kings 19, 
Verse 15, it says, And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord, the God of Israel, you're enthroned between the cherubim, you're with the angels, and you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made the heavens and the earth. So God, would you give ear, Lord? Would you hear? Would you open your eyes, Lord, and see and listen to the words that Sennacherib has ridiculed the living God with? He's like, he called you out. God, did you hear what he said? Verse 17, Hezekiah says, It's true, Lord, the Assyrian kings, they have laid waste to these nations and their lands. They've thrown other nations' gods into the fire, and they've destroyed them, for they were not gods, but they were really only wood and stone. They were made by human hands. Verse 19, Now, Lord our God, would you deliver us from his hand, so that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, Lord, are God. Hezekiah is overwhelmed. He is shaking in the greatest fear of his life. But did you catch that? He, he prayed confidently to his God. He said, God, would you deliver? God, would you save? And as Assyria approaches Jerusalem, if you've read a little bit of Old Testament history, you know that there were walls around the city that protected the city. But Hezekiah walks out one day, and Assyria is on the doorstep. And he looks out over the city wall to see thousands upon thousands upon thousands of Assyrian troops. And he goes, we're in big trouble. And in that moment, Isaiah sends yet another message from the Lord to Hezekiah in his fear. And I want you to see what that message actually said. Here's what Isaiah says to Hezekiah. Look at it. 2 Kings 19, skip down to verse 32. It says, therefore, this is what the Lord says concerning the king of Assyria. He will not enter this city or shoot an arrow here. He will not come before it with shield or build a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, he's also going back. He will not enter this city, declares the Lord. I will defend this city and save it for my sake and for the sake of David, my servant. Hezekiah reads the message from God's prophet. And I'm just, this week as I'm reading, I'm just trying to put myself in Hezekiah's shoes, right? Like, I, I love Jesus. I'm your pastor, okay? But there's thousands upon thousands of troops outside the walls. There's more than my troops, all right? They bench press more than my troops bench press. Their guns are bigger than our guns, all right? And I know the Lord is good and he's faithful, but I'm just saying they're still out there. And you know Hezekiah wanted to believe it. And Scripture tells us that somehow in that moment, on that night with the Assyrians at the doorstep, he got to a place where he at least laid down in the bed. Now, I don't know how much sleeping he actually did, but Scripture says he made it through the night. We'll say he at least got a little shut eye. And he had that promise from the Lord, and he had called on his God, and the next morning... This is what he woke up to. 2 Kings 19, verse 35. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. And when the people got up the next morning, there were all the dead bodies. Let me read that one more time. Maybe you missed it. Like, 2 Kings 19.35, that night, that night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 in the Assyrian camp. Are you kidding me? It's not mythological stories. 
We're talking about real life. One night, while Hezekiah and his men slept, the Lord Almighty, who he had called on, put to death 185,000 of the bad guys. And Hezekiah and his men didn't even swing a sword. I mean, I'm just saying, if there's ever a moment for a happy dance in Scripture, like that's the appropriate moment, right? Insert right there. But more appropriately, that's the moment for Hezekiah to fall down in reverence and worship and awe of his God. And he did. And it's in that moment that many commentators say Hezekiah sat down and wrote Psalm 46. And I tell you all that today for you to grasp the power of the Lord Almighty, Hezekiah's God, who is the same God today. But I want you to understand where we're about to read, where it came from. And as I read it this day, this week, tried to live in it personally this week, as I thought about you this week, knew some of your stories even this week, here's my hope. You ready? That we would just have like just, a, just like a sliver of the confidence that Hezekiah had in his God as he wrote Psalm 46. Because what Hezekiah found is that in his time of trouble, and oh boy was he in it, in his time of trouble, God was what he needed when he needed it. And that's what I want you to write down today. Okay, write that down. We're going to circle that over and over today. God, in times of trouble, God is what we need when we need it. God is what we need when we need it. Now I want us to begin to read what Hezekiah sat down and wrote in that moment of response. You ready? Psalm 46, verse 1. Here's what the first verse of chapter 46 says. God is our refuge, and he is our strength, and he is an ever-present help in trouble. I love it. One verse, Hezekiah says God's a refuge, he's a strength, and he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. You know what that word trouble um, translated means? A tight spot. I like that. You ever been in a tight spot before? Okay, some of my claustrophobic people, like you're panicking, okay? And when you're talking about that kind of tight spot, I'm talking about the tight spots of life, right? Man, all of us, all of us, no matter who you are, how long you've been on the planet, all of us have found ourselves in a time of trouble or in a tight spot. Man, sometimes that comes physically, doesn't it? Sometimes you can get in a tight spot relationally. Sometimes you can be in a tight spot emotionally or mentally because there's a real battle there. Or maybe even for some of you today, you might say that you're in a tight spot, a time of trouble, a dry place, even spiritually. Life is full of trouble. I heard a quote this week that said, life is like fighting a gorilla. You don't rest when you get tired. You rest when the gorilla gets tired. And some of you... That's all too real. Because you've lived it. Or maybe you are living it. Maybe you're living in the guerrilla fight of life right now because of that thing that's going on relationally, physically, financially, spiritually, emotionally. Man, you go, like, I get it. You, I'm in a time of trouble. I'm in the guerrilla fight right now. In 2016, um, on a Tuesday my mom went in for a normal colonoscopy, okay, as normal as that can be. And uh, I mean, she went in, procedure seemed to go completely fine. She was out of there and home by 
around lunchtime. <clears throat> Mid-afternoon that day, she started feeling just like a little bit of discomfort, but considering all things that had happened, she didn't think a whole lot about it. Okay? By that evening into that night, things felt even more uncomfortable and not right. And she called her doctor who advised her, hey, I think it'd be good for you to go get checked out at the ER. And so about 8 o'clock that night, my mom and my dad left their house in Brandon and went to Baptist Hospital emergency room where the doctors began to run some tests on her. And they discovered that somehow in the course of her colonoscopy, her spleen had been clipped and she was bleeding internally. In fact, the doctor looked at her and he said, Miss May, if you had not come in right now, he said, there's a good chance you wouldn't have been here tomorrow morning and you would have never known it. My dad immediately called my sister and I and we made our way to the hospital. And as the doctor met with my mom and my family there in the emergency room, he began to say, hey, this has happened before. This is not just completely out of the blue. Like, this can happen. Hey, here's what we're going to do. You're going to need to go undergo surgery. We're going to need to remove your spleen. It's going to stop the bleeding. We're going to be all right, okay? But at that point, man, my family felt the weight of this emergency that had been dropped on us that we had not planned for. And so as we gathered around my mom before she went into surgery, um, man, I prayed for my family and my mom in that moment, and my dad spoke out, read Psalm 46, verse 1. That the Lord, in this moment, he is a refuge and he's our strength. He's an ever-present help in our time of trouble. And about midnight on that Tuesday night, my mom was rolled into surgery. And for a little over an hour, she underwent the procedure Praise the Lord and His grace. Everything went smoothly, went all good. And in the wee hours of Wednesday morning, she was dismissed from surgery. Because of the intensity of what had happened and some of the um, blood loss that had happened, she was taken to the ICU for a short stint of time. Eventually on Thursday, she got dismissed from ICU and she was checked into just a regular hospital room there at Baptist Hospital. And as they rolled her into her room and parked her bed... She looked up on the wall with my dad and on the wall there in her room, randomly chosen on the wall was a massive verse of scripture that looked just like this. God is our refuge and he is our strength and he's an ever-present help in time of trouble. And I'm just saying to you that in that moment, on that day, that's what my mom and my family, that's what we needed. That's the reminder of the character and the promises and the goodness of our God that we needed to hear. Oh, yeah. And on top of that, my dad, who serves on a church staff, he doesn't, he's not the preacher, but he preaches every once in a while, but he had been assigned to preach three days later on that following Sunday. And their preacher had asked him to preach on a certain passage out of the whole Bible and the one passage that God had asked him to preach. Psalm 46, verse 1. God is our refuge. and He is our strength. He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. And church, all I'm testifying to you today to say is that in times of trouble, and that moment was one for us, man, he is what we need when we need it. That he's an ever-present help, that he's a strength, that he is a refuge for us. And maybe today, I don't know, I don't know everybody's name or all of your stories, but maybe today you're in a tight spot. Maybe you're in a time of trouble. 
because the guerrilla fight of life can be that way. And I'm just trying to point you to the hope of Scripture that says the amazing news that God, our God, sovereign God, Yahweh God, is a refuge and in strength, and He is an ever-present help in time of trouble. Thought about it this week. All creatures, you know what all creatures do? All created creatures, when they are in distress, you know what they do? They run to their refuge. A fox returns to his burrow when he's in trouble. A bird flies back to its nest. A toddler does what? Runs to their parents. In times of trouble, it is natural to long for a refuge. And I'm just saying today, I don't know where you are, but God does. And he is a safe and sturdy and trustworthy refuge and strength. You know, as I walk with people and hear tons and tons of stories across the years, you know what I've found? Some people, man, they hadn't gotten there. God is not a refuge and strength for them. They man, warm, fuzzy verse on Sunday, but they're not living it. But the people who have gotten there, there's really two routes, kind of, if you stay with me, two routes to know God as your refuge and your strength and ever-present hell. For some people, man, they just manage willing to surrender. They realize, like, I, I am not a good refuge and strength. God, I need you, and I trust you, and I give my life to you. That's one way to get there. There are other people who they hit rock bottom. And they realize, oh, wow, I'm not actually a sufficient refuge and strength. I'm not my own helper. And so there must be another way. And in that moment, God meets them. But can I just tell you, no matter how you get there, you ready for this? He is sufficient. And he invites you today, like even in these moments, he says, would you know me as a refuge, as a strength, as an ever-present help? I love those words. He's an ever-present help, meaning that our confidence in him doesn't have a Monday to Friday, eight to five time frame. How good is that? It means today he's not just a Sunday morning help. No, our confidence in him comes from this awareness that we're trying to get on us today that he's a 24-7, 365, ever-present help. The strength of his refuge, the strength of his help doesn't waver with the season of your life. In times of trouble, he is what we need, and he is when we need it. Let's keep going. Psalm 46, verse 2. Here's where Hezekiah goes next. He says, Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and they foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Verse 1, amazing promise. God's strength, he's refuge, he's an ever-present help. And then in verse 2, the writer says, so this is how I will respond. We will not fear. Because he is all that in verse 1, I got no fear here in verse 2. Can we just be honest today, though? Like, we are, woo, we are a fearful people. Are we not? Okay, listen, I, I know my Rankin County boys, and you got a real big truck, and your pipes are real loud. Listen, you still scared of some stuff. Okay? We, we, we are still a very fearful people. And I don't know about you. I'm just going to talk about me, honestly, for a second. In my time of trouble, when I'm in a moment of distress, when things aren't going my way, guess what I fear? Everything. In that moment, my whole world is caving in. And I fear everything. Verse 2, the psalmist says, Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the sea. You ever had that kind of Monday? You ever had that season of life? Maybe the last decade has felt that way. In your marriage, with your family. In the health fight. Man, the earth has given way and the mountains are falling into the sea. Did you know that the phrase, the command, if you will, do not fear, 
is mentioned 365 times in Scripture. Almost like God knew that we might battle with fear. And so he gave us one command for every single day of the year. And do not fear. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I'm with you. I'm with you. God is what we need when we need it. So I wonder today, like honestly, what are you afraid of? Is it disappointment? Failure? Being without? Being excluded? Not measuring up? Not being able to control everything? Hello. You see, typically for us, it doesn't necessarily sound like verse 2 and 3. I hadn't had anybody walk into the office and be like, man, my earth's giving way and my mountains are falling into the sea. No, but it sounds a little bit more like, well, what if the wrong person gets elected into office? What if the economy doesn't rebound and we keep having to scrap like we are right now? What if everything I taught my kids, they actually never end up following? What if I don't get that promotion that I think I really need because it's got a little more zeros on the check? Or what if my parents get divorced? What if I can't retire when I thought I was going to? Or what if I don't get married in the next two years? See, can you confidently, I'm just asking, can you confidently look at the face of your list or whatever your thing is, can you look at it in the face and say, you know what, even though the earth gives way and the mountains of my life, they may fall into the sea, but you know what, I will stand here and like Hezekiah in verse 2, I will say, I know the Lord who is my strength and my refuge and my ever-present help. And you know what, we will not fear. We will not fear. Why? Because in times of trouble, God is, he's what I need. And he's when I need it. He's on time. Verse 4, go back to Psalm 46. He keeps going. He says, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her and she will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Verse 6, nations are in uproar, kingdoms are falling, and he lifts his voice and the earth melts. Talking about the Lord. He is the Lord Almighty, and He is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. You see that in verse 4? The psalmist, he's speaking about this abundant and this constant provision of a river for Jerusalem. You want to know what's interesting, though? Jerusalem didn't have a river. But the prophets were speaking in faith, not about a physical river that flows like this, but about an eternal spiritual river that would flow into Jerusalem and through Jerusalem. They were predicting what would be happening, the Christ that would come. And at the end of verse 4, the writer says, the river that brings gladness is where the Most High dwells. It's where He is. Track with me. In other words, the river of life, of joy, and of peace is where? Where the Lord is. It's found where the Most High dwells. Let me take you back to uh, social studies class. How many of you, fourth grade social studies award? Anybody? Okay, awesome, cool, two of you. All right. <laughs> Rest of you loved it as much as I did. All right, but we made it. We made it. Now, do you remember in social studies, right, when we were studying like all the, the nations and the civilizations that would get started throughout history, okay, like the part you slept through, you ready? All right, right, remember so many of them, they started, they planted their roots, they got founded. Where geographically? Near a body of water, right? Near this sea, near this river. Why? 
because our teachers taught us that the water source provided transportation, it helped with food, it helped with nourishment for plants and trees. In other words, the river was the source, so therefore they built their life around the source. Don't lose me here. Stay with me. You catch it? All right. Psalms is saying God is the river. He is the river. And the greatest purpose of your life is to build your life close to the river. Don't go out there. No, man, root your life in Him. Why? Because in Him is life, and in Him is joy, and in Him is peace, and in Him is protection, and in Him is hope. Therefore, come what may, my life is built near the river. Now, we've got to be honest. In times of trouble, I don't know about you, but I've talked to a lot of people, and we are prone to go looking for other rivers. Like in times of trouble, we can turn to the river of a new relationship. Well, maybe he will bring that happiness and joy that's the hollowness in my heart. And we'll turn to a new job, because if I can get rid of this one, then maybe the next one will be what I long for. Or in that time of trouble, man, we can chase the river of a new high or a new buzz that will numb the pain or the anxiety. Or if I could get a little bit more money, a little more security will come with that, surely, right? Or in the time of trouble, man, the river looks like comfort or pleasure. Or for some of us, it's isolation. I just got to get away from everybody else and I'm going to figure it out. And the psalmist is saying today, don't miss this, those rivers will run out. You float on it long enough, and you will hit rock bottom. Those rivers will not bring the gladness and the joy and the peace and the comfort that, what, that man your heart really, really longs for. That man your marriage really, really needs in this moment. He says, nope, those rivers will run out, but the river of the Lord, what will it do? It'll never run dry. So the call today, the challenge in this moment is to fight the temptation to stop drinking from the rivers that will not finally and fully satisfy. But there's one river that, what did he promise? He offers living water. Man, how do I connect my life up to that so that in my time of trouble, I will know, what will I know? I'll know that he's what I need. He's all I need. And he is there when I need it. Now, the psalmist keeps going, verse 8, Psalm 46, verse 8. Look at how he speaks this. He says, come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations that he's brought on the earth, that he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth, and he breaks the bow, and he shatters the spear, and he burns the shields with fire. Here's what the psalmist is saying. Hey, I know everything's happening right here, but I'm just saying, man, look up. Look back. Do you remember what the Lord has done? And he speaks to what? Desolations. And he speaks to wars ceasing. What is he saying? Hezekiah is saying, hey, remember people of God. Do you remember all those stories from the Old Testament? Now, he couldn't say Old Testament because they didn't have it quite like that yet. But he's going to look back. You remember story after story after story of how the Lord came through? And as Hezekiah writes this, obviously he's thinking about the 185,000 dead dudes laying outside the city. And he's like, no, that's who my God is. And I'm going to remember the work of the Lord. I don't know about you, but man, when in, in my moment of stress or distress or trouble, my eyes typically go here. And man, I start dwelling on all the stuff that's going wrong, all the stuff I can't control, all the emotions that I feel. And the psalmist just says, hey, what if we did this different? And I'm just saying, look up to a God who's bigger than you who has sovereignty greater than anything you can control. 
I mean, trust him. Look at what the Lord has done. And then here's how the chapter ends. Look at verse 10. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. And the God of Jacob is our fortress. Now I know if you've grown up in church at all, if you've grown up around Scripture, there's a really good chance you've heard that verse, right? Mama quoted to you at some point Psalm 46.10. Just be still, baby. Just be still and know that the Lord is God. And she was right. But you know, a lot of times because of how we hear that verse or read that verse or how it got explained, we can, we can interpret that verse as, well, well, Scripture is telling me that I need to stop, that I need to be real quiet, that maybe I need to sit down, and that's how I'll know that the Lord is sovereign and in control. Can I just say today, like, yes. I mean, as a part of our spiritual faith and maturity and walking out this journey of knowing Jesus more deeply, there should be moments where we stop and Sabbath and rest and we're reminded of the character of the Lord. And can we just be honest enough to say as a culture, we stink at that. We are great. We're amazing at busyness and noise. We don't do stillness and silence very well. So that's a part of it. But if I was to explain to you, which will be my goal today, the most appropriate interpretation of this command, be still, listen, it's not calling us to stop activity and stand in one place. But instead, it's a command that all arguments and all opposition about the character of our God, that they would stop that they would sit in recognition of the greatness of who he is. Um, one commentator this week, I love how he put it, he says, as you know the glory and the greatness of God, stop your mouth from arguing with him or opposing him and simply surrender. You see, be still and know that he is God means that we surrender our trying, our trying to control, our complaining, our doubting, our fearing, and we realize, hey, guess what? He's the only one who has the strength and the power and the sovereignty in this moment. That in times of trouble, God is what God is, what we need when we need it. In full honesty, um, this week, on the morning that I was sitting down in my office right back through there, to write out this message to bring to you this week. Um, my morning started with a message given to me that rocked my world. It wasn't something I saw coming. It wasn't something that I had planned for. It was something that totally changed the mental and spiritual trajectory and even physical task to do trajectory of my morning. And in that moment, man, my mind started on the rat race, maybe you've been there before, of all of the negative thoughts of what did that mean and why and what could I have done and what did that domino, what domino was it going to hit and what could this create and all the things that could happen. And I'm just, I'm just being very vulnerable with you today to say um, my headspace was not very good. And as I sat in my office chair with my door shut, playing all of the mental fleshly games that I was feeling in that moment. Man, all I knew to do 
was I just pushed back away from my desk. And I guess the Holy Spirit prompted me just to pray. Just pray. Stop thinking all those things. Stop laying out all these scenarios that you think are good. Like, just pray. So that's what I did. And as I began to pray, not a minute into that prayer, it was as if God reached over my desk and just tapped me on the shoulder, and he says, hey, and he lifted my chin from praying. My posture was kind of right here. And he put my eyes on my computer screen where I hadn't typed any of today's sermon. But I had pasted today's scripture. And I began to read Psalm 46. And it was as if the Lord stepped into my office and just said, Hey, Brian, hey, hey, Brian, I'm your refuge and I'm your strength. And I will be your ever present help in your time of trouble. I'm the Lord Almighty and I'm a shelter and I'm a fortress. You can trust me. You can run to me. So in this moment, would you, would you just be still? Would you, would you stop arguing with me? Would you stop complaining? Would you stop fearing and doubting and trying to control and stop trying to figure it all out? And would, would you just be still and let me be God? And would you trust that I am sovereign and I'm in full control of all things? And church, as real as you sit in front of me today, and he took my spirit of fear, doubt, and worry, and he replaced it with a peace and a joy and a confidence in who he is. And he, guess what? He was, he was what I needed when I needed it. And I'll just ask you today, and what about you? What are you afraid of today? Where you have doubt and worry and fear and you ain't got control anymore that you thought you had? Or as the psalmist might say, where, where is the earth giving way for you? And where are your mountains falling into the sea? You know what? just as real and as personal as God was with me this week, man, I, I think he had this moment aligned for you so that you would know him today, that he would look at you and he would say, man, I, I, I can be your refuge and your strength, your ever-present help in a time of need. And guess what? My river of joy and peace and gladness, it never runs out. Man, build your life around me. Build your life close to me. I'm the Lord Almighty. I'm a mighty fortress. And you can run to me. I can be your shelter. So would you just be still? Stop complaining. Stop trying to figure it all out. Would you just be still and let me be God? And in your time of trouble, would you find that I'm all you need? And I'm when you need it. You see, today what I know is that men in a, a room of this many people and maybe even some friends joining us as a part of our online family, and maybe some of us are in a tight spot because that's just what life does. Sometimes you ask for it. Sometimes it's decisions we make. Sometimes it's just what life hands you. And today, maybe you're in a tight spot with a relationship or maybe it is a physical battle that you're fighting like some friends of mine. Maybe it's a spiritual place that you're in. Maybe it's a relational place. It doesn't really matter what the time of trouble is. The character of God doesn't change. 
And so today, man, we just felt like the Holy Spirit called us to just to actually respond to what he's saying to us today, no matter where you are. And so here's what we're going to do just over the next few minutes together. I'm going to invite our band just to come back up this way. And man, as they make their way to the stage, would you just, man, just me and you, can we keep talking? Okay. Man, I don't, I don't know where you are today. I don't know everybody's name or everybody's story, but I do know the faithfulness of our God. And I know it in a very real and personal way because I've lived it like within the last few days. Man, the reminders of his goodness and his character. And so here's, here's what I'm going to invite you in today. Okay, I'm not going to make you do anything, but here's where I just invite you into this moment together. Because, man, my hope is that you would walk out with the confidence of Hezekiah. That in your time of trouble, in your tight spot, whatever that may look like for you, that you could sit down like he did when he wrote Psalm 46 and say, I know the Lord and I know him to be my strength and my refuge. And so in just a moment, I mean, we're going we're gonna to have a moment of singing, of worshiping God. We sang a song earlier today. Maybe you knew it. Maybe some of you didn't, but you read the words. And we said in that song, we said, man, he is my firm. God is my firm foundation. He doesn't shift and then I love what we said in that chorus. It says, you know how many times he's failed me? No, he won't. He won't. Would you hear that today in a very real and personal way? I don't know what it is. I don't know how big it may feel. I don't know what emotions that it's triggered in your life. But I know a God and he won't. And so in just a moment, you're going to have a chance maybe just to stand and sing that. And you know what you got to do sometimes? Sometimes you got to sing it till you believe it. I sat in my office chair this week and I had to pray it until I knew it to be true. And so maybe today that's your response. Man, I'm going to sing it till I believe it, till I know that my God is everything that the Word says that He is. Or maybe today you need somebody to stand with you. Maybe in your tight spot, man, you need somebody to pray for you. And so as we stand in just a moment, there's going to be some of our ministry team available in the back of the room. They'll have an orange lanyard. And maybe as everybody else is standing and singing, maybe you need somebody to stand with you to pray with confidence over your tight spot, over your time of trouble, over the season that you're walking in. And so you just slide out of your row. Listen, just ask somebody, man, excuse me. They'll move, I promise. And then make your way to the back and just say, man, here's who I am. Here's where I am. And they'd love to pray for you, to encourage you. We believe there's power in prayer. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And we'd love to pray for you today. Now listen, some of you today, you're going, man, I don't know where you feel like, Hezekiah. I'm not in a tight spot today. Praise the Lord. But you have been. And he brought you through because that's why you're right here today. And so I'm just saying, what would it look like for you to use these few moments, maybe to pray for a friend who's in that place, or maybe just to sing out at the top of your lungs, thank you, Lord, that you are faithful and your character is good and trustworthy and true, and I just keep building my life on you. So in just a moment, we're going to respond. Maybe it's singing. Maybe it's asking somebody to pray for you. Or maybe it's standing and declaring the goodness of God that you've known in your life. But you, would you respond as the promises of God have been spoken over us today? Do you stand up with me and let's respond together?
where you may be in life or in your faith's journey. We pray today's time pointed your heart to what is true and gave you hope to hold on to. We want you to know that we are available and ready to pray for and encourage you as you learn what it means to get life in Jesus and give life to others as you live out your faith. To get a conversation started with one of our ministry team members, you can send us a private message or text your first name to 601-397-6111. We would love to pray for you and walk you through anything that you may be experiencing. You can find reading plans and other resources to help you take the next step in your faith on our website, www.theexchange.cc. As we close out our time today and prepare to scatter as a church, let us speak out our declaration together. We believe the great exchange took place when Jesus, who had no sin, became sin for us so we could know God. We exist to see people exchange their old life for new life in Christ and live out their purpose. Christ's love compels us to exchange ideas for truth. God's word is our standard. Selfishness for serving, we will serve others. Pleasing for reaching, we will share our faith. Keeping for dispersing, we will make disciples. Forgetting, for celebrating, we will praise God. We are the church.